Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting, it can be scary. And kids, they definitely are creepy. (laughs) Hello, Josh. Hello, weary traveler of 2020. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Everything is different and better. Everything is different and better one might even say new and improved oh i like that but wait how can something be both new and improved it can't and things are still terrible oh god (laughs) wow that came crashing down around me i didn't expect it yeah that's that's pretty much 2021 so far why is that why is new and improved a thing and it certainly is not great out there no um it was uh, the day that we watched the movie that we're about to discuss, The Conjuring. Yes. We, we decided, chilled out. Yeah, by... we decided to watch this on January 6th uh, after a very relaxing day. Yeah, of violent insurrection, mob attacks, whatever you want to call it, domestic terrorism. Yeah. In our yeah nation's capital. And we just decided we we needed this we needed more we needed to be stressed out more yeah in a different way wanted to make sure we had a bad night's sleep yeah (laughs) that was the goal after that day yep nailed it but i will say that i was not thinking about current events while i watched this movie no i wasn't either it was escapist and i think horror of all the genres does the best at like Mm -hmm. straddling that line Mm -hmm. somehow of like even the stuff that is like inspired by current events or political stuff or whatever else is still like escapist your zombie movies and such it's a yeah it it was uh also my first time rewatching the conjuring ever Mm -hmm. like i'd seen it Mm -hmm. in theaters right we did Mm -hmm. and um I, i remember very vividly being so scared by this movie in the theater yes a classic case of why do i do this to myself yeah and it actually you know we chose this movie because we wanted to start off strong start off the year with something that we knew was creepy we're hoping it held up and i think it did but it was very strange that we as i was watching it i was like this feels like what is happening right now so in the conjuring and um we will recap it uh of course for you very soon but um next episode probably yeah (laughs) there is it's like everything there's everything in this movie there's a secret cellar there's a hand clap game that's a big creepy house clock stopping at the same time bad smells bruises um imaginary friend linked like necklaces there's just animal so, stuff dolls creepy dolls creepy jack in uh, the box jack. <laughs> still has a mouse deep down inside his little dark house <laughs> okay for anybody who has put their child that's and themselves the heads out there all right <laughs> that's for my deep <laughs> music together heads um that's right um 
music together knots. You, mm. you tell us what you call yourselves. Right. Because we know you're out there. Yeah. We're we're there with you. Um Yeah, it just has everything. And they do manage to bring it all together and bring it home. Like it doesn't feel gratuitous, I think, except for maybe the Annabelle thing. Like, I don't think I really needed all that, but like they do manage to make it work, I think. Um I, yeah, I found that like on I had more problems with that the first time through mm-hmm. of it feeling like and we'll eventually do hereditary on this. I have a similar issue mm-hmm. with that where I feel like it's a little bit of like horror alphabet soup mm-hmm. and therefore I don't like it as much as many people do. Right. I'm excited to rewatch it for that reason because especially after my experience rewatching The Conjuring where so much of it so much of it worked and also the idea that it's i know you want to talk about some trivia stuff but that it's based on real Mm -hmm. you know the experiences of real human beings supposedly which is like the reason why Mm -hmm. we have seen it many times in horror uh like i didn't realize that, that they were associated with amityville yes the the paranormal investigators in this movie are based on real people and this whole thing is based on a true, well, a, a real life family, and um, and yeah, it's funny how if you didn't know anything about like Amityville, I yeah. think you would not even clock those things. Yeah, it's more. It's like the. But the clock stopping in this, it's three oh seven, and Amityville, I think, is three fifteen, mm-hmm. and like. The pigeons flying into the windows Mm -hmm. and the dog. And I think otherwise, but I remember at the time seeing it being like, well, that's stupid. Like you just took those, you lifted those things right from this really famous oft remade horror movie. Right. And yeah, but like it, it makes it thinking about it as almost like a, like kind of in the same universe because it's in the, the Warrens. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren's like experiential universe that that mm-hmm. these are phenomena that they supposedly saw yeah. at or, or you know had evidence of from different hauntings and stuff like right. that is a cooler thing. It made me appreciate it more. And then, anyway, I thought they tied most of it together. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Annabelle piece of it was yeah the the weakest link in 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 some ways. Um, and but it's also something that they dealt with. Like it it's part of their part of their whole story is this sure. Raggedy Ann doll, which I I imagine I think would have been creepier. Raggedy Ann dolls are just creepy, but Yeah, like this was a doll no child would have ever owned. Like no one would ever crafted this thing. And, and the idea is <laughs> Well it looks before it gets burned, I think it's so just a nice doll. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah. I missed the the burning part. I, I but, yeah. yeah, so my point being, mm-hmm. like there have been days or maybe like a handful of days in the past year that you look back on and you're like that everything happened that day. Like, wow, that day was so bananas. How did, how did that all happen on one day? And that's how January 6th felt, not just because of the insurrection, but 
um just a lot of stuff happened like in our lives it felt like yeah it was a strange one like my yeah. day started with an employee giving their notice like it was a weird yeah it's like it you know beginning there and then basically like being glued to the tv and it becoming this weird pseudo shutdown day for and so then many people but then just like i got the kids school photos back that was a yeah. huge deal um they turned out great and uh and then like our friend's dog they just adopted a dog and they found out that it had been switched with a different dog and it was a classic like, switcheroo <laughs> there's more there was more that day and it was like wow yeah. this has been the longest day ever um so in that respect i i don't know i think i appreciated those things more because it was like yeah sometimes every everything happens it <laughs> all just happens and sometimes you're in the middle of a pandemic and there's a violent uh political insurrection brought on by the president sometimes that just happens you know yeah it does sometime happens <laughs> yeah so should we recap this movie oh yeah yeah absolutely okay for anybody who hasn't seen the conjuring well over at the internet movie database they give us plot summaries and we read them on this show now it should be called so home base because every time we go there i feel like we really score big well, then hold on to your hat, Josh. Josh is wearing a, a silly hat right now. Yeah, it's a gigantic, <laughs> gigantic sombrero. Which it's is funny because it's oversized. It's bigger than a normal, even yeah. sombrero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. that Talk about everything happening at once. The three plot summaries for this movie are by none other than Kenny Chisholm. Claudia oh. Carvalho and oh my. and Nick Reginus. Oh, I know. Do you think they're a coven? A, a coven. coven. <laughs> a coven for sure. <laughs> um, but in the end, uh, Kenneth Chisholm of kchisel at rogers.com. That's where you can find him. Uh, that is the plot summary we're going to read today. Oh, my goodness. Go take it May away. I? Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Wait. I know. He actually wrote two. You want the one with the email with, address yeah. and the signature. Okay. <laughs> he probably realized he wrote one. It was a little too brief. It was very pithy. In 1971, Carolyn and Roger Perrin moved their family into a dilapidated Rhode Island farmhouse, and soon strange things start happening around it with escalating nightmarish terror. In desperation, Carolyn contacts the noted paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren to examine the house. What the Warrens discover is a whole area steeped in a satanic haunting that is now targeting the Perrin family wherever they go. To stop this evil, the Warrens will have to call upon all their skills and spiritual strength to defeat this spectral menace at its source that threatens to destroy everyone involved. Dun, dun, dun. Take the case. All right. So it's a pretty it's a pretty standard setup. It's a pretty standard movie, but it delivers on just spooky thrills and chills. Oh my goodness. Lots of jump scares that are great and great performances. I really do love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmigo. Farmiga, yeah. 
at um as the as the Warrens. And they do look like creatures out of time. We sort of talked about that off mic about how especially Vera Farmiga looks like a Elizabethan ghost or something. There's a little bit of that. Yeah, and they I guess they spent a lot of time with actual Lorraine Warren. She makes a cameo in the in the movie when they're giving a talk, she's like in the, in the front row. Oh, cool. So they hung out with her a lot and got all these stories and I guess she tried to copy her like mannerisms and how she's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a little alien, a little aloof. Yeah. Which would make sense. If mediums are real, mm-hmm. like you would be so weirdly sensitive. I think you'd have to sort of exist in this sort of other yeah. space yeah. than just normal conversation. Right. So it's a creepy house. It has the, a basement. <laughs> secret basement. Secret basement. Thank you. It's in the middle of nowhere. It has this really scary tree in the backyard that looks that is dead yes. on like a pond. And um, so it's just a very like simple story. But I think cell phones, it's like pre cell phones. Wonderful. You know, even when the the Warrens get involved and they do like the super, super. (laughs) heavy and long exposition scene where they're like here's what i dug up you know right <laughs> it's yeah like, how could you possibly you have what to library really... are you going to for this yeah it was like three in the morning because mm-hmm. their their clock stops right that's right because they're there when the clock stops yeah um i think they're back at their house oh that's right yeah yeah and just weird stuff point. happens yeah so I actually, I appreciated it. It was done well. It was like, this is where we learn about a little bit about what happened. They don't really understand until much later when uh, Carolyn's character, or, you know, Lily Taylor's character, Carolyn, is possessed Mm -hmm. and they put it all together. But um, even that, I was like, usually I would hate this scene, but I like it. Yeah. And there's something to the fact that, like, there's a struggle here narratively. Of like whose movie is it? Is this a Warren movie or a Perrin movie? Right? Is it about the family or is it about the investigators? Because like in Poltergeist, it's about the family primarily. Right. There are great investigator characters that are crucial to the movie, and I mean really make it indelible. But with the Conjuring, it is kind of two points of view mashed together in a way that's like not super clean at first it feels like there's a lot there's just like a lot of stuff happening there's a lot of you kind of meet the the successive ghosts of like the people who have been haunted by this creature before um sidebar i love that they define it specifically as an inhuman spirit right that mm-hmm. it's a demon and not a ghost yeah like, that right it, from the jump yeah it's, a, it's not really a haunting never walk the earth right yeah 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 i love i love that as a framing for it from the beginning mm-hmm. um but I think that that's like a little bit of of a struggle with this movie. But again, it all really does knit together pretty Well, I read nicely. that they originally wrote it from the just the parents' perspective. Mm-hmm. But then when the screenwriters came on, because this whole thing was the producer's um, baby, basically. Tony DeRosa Grund. DeRosa Grund. Um, DeRosa Grund. Darussa Grund. He has been, <laughs> He was trying to get this movie made for like 20 years. 
after he had like listened to one of the tapes between Lorraine and Carolyn. Wow. And then the two screenwriters came on board, the Hayes brothers, and um, they made it from the perspective of the parents. But I agree with you that it's not really, it's both. And I think that works. I really do. Think yeah, yeah. I, yeah, again, ultimately, totally works. Fun fact. Would you like a fun fact? Always. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me with some. Well, this... I didn't mean to overstretch. It can just be one if you only have one. But if you have a bunch, I'm here for I it. I do. I do have several. But um, this fun fact has to do with um, the Bathsheba character. Not a common first name. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. I, I like it as like the main witch. And I also like that. See, there's just like so much. There's so much witch content out there right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like this kind of, it might have set it off. There's always going to be witch content, right? Yeah, but it seems like. activity set off some witch content. Or like Blair Witch. Blair Witch certainly did. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we've had 20 years of witches, though, but. Yeah, there's a lot of witches right now between like Sabrina and like the witch and, you know. Sure, witches for everybody. There's the always. Charmed reboot. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like if this movie happened now, I feel like it's kind of an oversaturated witch market. Mm, but this, I, I really liked this witch because um, it was just like pure evil. Get like you said, like it was like a demon, and it wasn't. I feel like there's a lot of witch positivity out there right now. Yeah, where you're kind of if the witch is evil, evil, you're kind of rooting for it. Mm -hmm. Or there's lots of good witches out there, and it's like no, it's just like straight up horrifying, very evil, classic New England witch. Yes. So, but the fun fact is that the the composer um the film's composer plays Bathsheba in the movie that's cool but that's not all guess what other movie he scored and appeared in insidious yes oh he, my he is the seamstress devil in i the- <laughs> knew it i knew it see cuz that's it this this movie is in some way it's like a few, if there wasn't all this passion behind it, it's very close to like that Blumhousey sort of too many creatures. Yeah, well, just it's James, to... James Wan. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of similar themes and you got your Patrick Wilson, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he played that. And also, I guess Ryan Gosling's band, Dead Man's Bones, does a, a song from in this movie. So Ryan Gosling's involved. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, it says, taken from their 2000 self-titled album, the eerie psychedelia of In the Room Where You Sleep plays halfway through the film's 112-minute running time. What is the name of the song? In the Room Where You Sleep. Okay. I thought you said they had like an album called the eerie psychedelia, which I was going to... No, the really self-titled album. So the, the album okay. is called Dead Man's Bones by Dead Man's Bones. Yeah. And it's by Dead Man's Bones. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes. A big country situation. <laughs> um, here for that. Here for that. So anyway, let's talk about some parenting stuff, shall okay, we? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
The first thing that I took issue with mm. is not even from the parent family. I actually thought I thought the parents were pretty solid. I did too. They were good very dad. Oh, good dad. Good mom. Really Ron Livingston's performance just so you just feel so sorry for him. Yeah. And he doesn't think she's crazy and he doesn't, you know, it's like a very Craig T. Nelson sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like he's not hitting the kids or getting angry or getting possessed. Right. Nope. Or Yeah. Or being the one who doesn't. I love that. No, nobody doesn't buy it. That's the coolest thing. Yeah. Like the goofy cop do, is the only one who doesn't believe something's going on. Mm-hmm. Everyone else pretty quickly witnesses something or has something happen to them too which is like i think is just like great and it makes it scarier totally so yeah it's not with them good family good parents it's actually with the warrens and their little daughter judy so judy's what like seven sure okay in the old enough old enough to know better but this is not her fault somehow the room of cursed shit in their house gets open maybe that's a supernatural thing who knows it's fair to assume earthly locks aren't really going to do right the trick so really my issue is why is that a room in your house don't tell me you couldn't have just built a little shed on the property even or had i mean storage units weren't a thing back then sure they were really i'm sure there was storage rentable storage around right but I could see how nobody would uh, want to ensure that. <laughs> yeah, we want a unit want to fill with cursed objects. Yeah. Although I like I like where we're going here. Or that you wouldn't necessarily want them to leave your house either. Like that's right. the point is like they're safer at, at uh, But man, I don't think it's responsible if it had just been them in the house, but there's a kid in the house. So this is problematic. And, uh, you know, Josh said it's like having a gun cabinet that's not properly properly secured, you know? If- well, even if it is, because th- I think their idea is they know exactly what they have. They feel like they've trained their daughter to treat the room with an appropriate amount of fear and respect. But they failed. But at some point, you don't have a choice, which is the same thing with guns. You're introducing mm-hmm. yeah. these you know, objects into your home Stuff can happen. If they are not there, they cannot happen. Right. That's the the big kind of one-to-one connection for me between their... And, like, eventually it was... This is what turned into their museum, right? The real-life Warrens had, like, an occult museum. Yeah. It was a real thing. Annabelle was a real doll. Like... Oh, I'll give you a weird... Fun fact. Do you know that the Warrens visited Zachy's dad... At his high school when he was a kid. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Somehow we got to talking about this one day at uh, at school. I think it might have been on Halloween. So Zachy is a, was a classmate of Wu's. Yep. And he has since moved away. We... To another astral plane. No, <laughs> no, he's still with us. He's uh... Oh, he's stuck there. That's right. He's uh, stuck between the walls. Um, his, his dad... <laughs> Grew up in Connecticut, and that's where they were. And Rhode Island, the Warrens, I think, were were in Connecticut. It's all right there. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they came to his high school and did one of those like we're going to talk about the occult, like they have in this movie. 
Yeah, and they said he said it was super weird. See, you miss out on this stuff going to Catholic school. We don't get visitors from paranormal investigators. I went to school in New England. We did not get paranormal investigators at our school. Well, I would have freaked out. I would not have handled that well at all. I just think that the Warrens should have been doing more than a once a week blessing. I think they should have been protecting the whole thing with like spells and stuff. <laughs> That's yeah, they need the, a wizard. That's what priests call it, right? Spells? Mm-hmm. Spells. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they were not doing their due diligence. And I don't know what the solution is there, but Judy should have known better. Shouldn't have gone in there. Yeah. Should not have at all. And I, I mean, or maybe it's but the, kids are, kids are going to get curious. We know this, especially if you tell them not to do something, they're going to want to do it. It's and true. I think normalizing some of that stuff. Also, I wonder if it would give a kid a sense of, confidence around it, not just curiosity or not mm-hmm. fear where you're just like my parents are in here all the time they're, right. bring, they're walking in and out of here bringing reporters in they don't care they're charging people money to come look at this stuff why can't i go look at this annabelle doll right yeah um well judy survives thankfully at least as far as we know in this movie because yeah. you know there's i think there's the conjuring 2 electric boogaloo and then uh-huh. there's also another the conjuring the devil made me do it but i don't know if it's out yet i have no idea um and we'll never and know, we'll never know. um okay so the other thing that happens in this movie that we noticed in the parent family one of the little girls who by the way i thought all the girls who had <laughs> there were four out of five had speaking parts there was one dud in there that just didn't the girl with the glasses she like just had like maybe two lines in the bedroom scene yeah but they were all great they were just so believable as sisters yeah and um very innocent looking you know definitely and um, all different like uh, props to the producer for having all tony de rosa also the name of the demon that haunts this <laughs> plane um props to tony derusagrund for including all five daughters and not you know combining them into two yeah right yeah just to save money yeah yeah totally um so i thought they were great um but one of them and like god so much stuff happens to this poor family in such a short amount of time. Um, but one of the things is sleepwalking. A sleepwalking child like is knocking her head against a cabinet. Yeah, the giant armoire that was in there when they moved in. Yeah. Which red flag. Gotta go. Although I do know people who have moved into a house where the owners left their their furniture. You mm-hmm. know, like it's I guess pretty common. But I would not keep well, see would house. you really move would you really move that giant armoire uh, that's what she's banking on that's what best she knows you're gonna do she's gonna say you like this solid piece of mm-hmm. good country craftsmanship you're gonna keep it aren't you they're rare and valuable even then yeah a true antique yeah so anyway ron livingston great dad he does not wake the sleepwalking, the somnambulist child up. Nice one. He just puts his hand in between her head and the armoire and like just guides her back to sleep. 
So it is actually what you should do with the sleepwalker. Um, you don't try to wake them up. I feel like everybody knows this now, but... Sleepwalking is so rare. It's And yet, I did it as a child. That's right. You were a sleepwalker. <laughs> and my family did not use the right approach to... Threw cold water on you? Oh, no. So much worse. Um, really? Yeah. Yes. So I I remember two instances of sleepwalking that really were terrible. The first one was I had walked downstairs and I set off the alarm in my house. This actually happened after the other incident. Um, so I'd walk downstairs, set off the motion detector and the <laughs> alarm is going off. And I'm Ugh. like standing in the, you know, in the living room and the, <laughs> the alarm's going. I remember so vividly. It's A like, horrible sound at any time whether oh, yeah. you're awake or asleep it's like you have violated a restricted area the police have been called leave immediately you have 10 seconds to comply yeah. <laughs> and it was terrifying and i was crying the other time i had walked into the kitchen and i had i guess my job as as a kid was to like set the table during meal times so i had started to set the table and I remember being in the kitchen having, I believe, a jar of applesauce in my hand, or maybe it was something else, but that's what I remember. And my sister and my dad laughing at me, just laughing. They had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I started crying because I like woke up to people laughing at me, which is not your favorite idea. <laughs> Nobody likes think. to be laughed at, but like I was, you know, a self conscious little kid. I think. Um, but yeah, it was so s scary to wake up. It's very scary to wake up when you're sleepwalking. So I appreciated this very thoughtful, definitely before people knew about what to do with a sleepwalker. Right. Yeah, it was. I think it was good. And whether that was like, that's why some of these like modern parenting things, it's nice to see a, a current portrayal of parenting during that time. Which so like whether that was true of the parent family in real life or if it was kind of softened based on you know what maybe we know now or you know not wanting conflict to arise like because that's not what the movie is about it was yeah it was very well very well done yeah they're good parents and it makes it all the more terrifying when very good mom Lily Taylor Carolyn gets possessed and i love how they do it she's like going to take a nap and bathsheba like goes into her it's a great like oh no things just got so much worse moment because things kind of felt under control with the with the warrens being there yeah so it makes it all the more just like sad and terrifying that she gets possessed and they start to piece together that Bathsheba's whole thing is that she possesses the mother to kill the children. So I thought that, you know, I was saying off mic, like, I don't think that this movie really has like a deeper meaning. You know, I don't think that they were trying to say very much with it. Um, right. And this that's not fine. some analogy about the struggles of parenting. Or something yeah. Because they don't get into it like that. And that's fine. That's good. 
But I do think that the like the crux of this movie and the crux of like the demon is all about like the vulnerability of motherhood. So you see it like in Lily Taylor's character, how her love for her children basically saves her in the end and how it is really a strength, but it does, it's a strength and a vulnerability. And it's the same thing with Lorraine Warren's character with Judy, because like the demon uses that to like get her to come back to the house because she thinks Judy, because Judy is in danger and the lockets become a door, right? Yeah, the lockets become a door. They have these like linked necklaces, which because so many things happen and there's so few rules to this, it's been it's been said during the explanation that like, this is such a powerful evil. It's like, a, you're like, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it jumps from the necklaces? All right. I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> a very comic booky to me, which I appreciate. Like, I think we're just like, yeah, there are many we've established that sort of magic and demons are real objects play a key role in this and Mm -hmm. and these spirits finding their way into either people or objects and they prefer people Mm -hmm. and but they really this one really prefers moms prefers moms yeah choosy moms (laughs) choose choosy bathshebas choose Choose moms Oh God! Um, we see that matches are not a suitable light source in this. Oh, geez, Louise! Don't get me started on a foot candle, please. Um, anybody? A foot candle? Anybody out there? A foot candle? So, you're so in lighting movies. Um, you the the instrument that you use to light it measures in f stops, which oh, is right. literally the light the foot of the light from a a candle so it's this old timey thing right so whenever i see a movie that involves someone using a candle or match so the beginning scene when ron livingston goes down to the basement is absurd because he's lighting the whole room with his match but the the most terrifying scene of the movie i think when lily taylor's unwittingly playing the hand clap game with a ghost um she is at the top of the stairs in the basement lighting a match and she can't see shit and that's really what it would be that's right and it's only there because he left the matches on on the stairs and yeah they, they should so they must reason. be the same matches doesn't make any sense this movie's ridiculous <laughs> this is <a> bad movie <laughs> change my mind <laughs> um but anyway yeah i just thought I just, I was thinking a lot about motherhood during this movie. I was thinking about how you really would do anything to protect your kids. And at that point, and for most of human history, motherhood is seen as like the weaker, the more vulnerable, the, you know, the, the more like... I don't know, the nurturing, like, soft part of life, right? And it's completely the opposite. It, it, it does entail those things. But I think only now, and when this movie was made, is when people are actually talking about how 
well, like what a strength it is, how you basically can do anything once you've had a kid and had to raise them. You know, it, it tests you in ways that like you could never understand truly. Um, and for people who don't have kids, probably aren't listening to this podcast, but maybe some of our listeners do. And I'm ne- I'm not saying at all like you don't know, you don't have kids. It's not that. It's just it's impossible before you have kids to understand how you're going to change and how you're going to, you know, and it, it could be said that could be said of so many like transformational journeys that you go on. Like you're like, I didn't know how I would do my PhD program or I don't know how I would do, you know, my army training or what all these things that you know it's not like you have to have kids to understand that it's just more like like i love this quote from um joanna godard who i don't read i didn't really read cup of joe or magnolia which is her magazine i never got into it but i do like her and she said nothing can prepare you for this love suffering and it's just I might have even said it on this show before. I I love it. I think it's nothing it's, can prepare you for this love suffering. Yeah, of like of motherhood. Hmm. I got you. That's okay. <laughs> it, yeah, you know it does. It gets me. I got a little flaclemt <laughs> because it is true, and it's it. I was right there with her. I was right there with Carolyn. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it can a, also drive you crazy, right? I, but it is a transformational journey, and we talk about the strength of motherhood in a different way than it was in generations past. When I think it was spoken about in a more condescending way. Oh, totally. Where it was more just like, and of course, our mothers, you know, whom <laughs> right. we love so much, you know, it was more <laughs> of that than like a really reckoning with the. Yeah, the, I mean, just like the tremendous amount of change that it brings to you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to. Yeah. Yeah. To. I don't think that anybody could go through it without experiencing that. If not all the time, then definitely from time to time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I didn't, we haven't said it before. Shout out to the moms. <laughs> I definitely didn't think about that the first time I watched it. It was very much pre-kids. But I I just felt, yeah, I felt Carolyn's struggle. And whatever was going on in their house, since it is based on a true story, um, but also like has been debunked. All of the Warren stuff has been debunked as hoaxes, like, and people have admitted to making stuff up. Um, You know, whatever was going on with them must've been painful. So yeah, I mean, God, if you have five friggin' kids, it's a lot. Jesus. Well, and money troubles to some degree, you know, that they, um, one of my favorite things about, this movie is that it does this very simple thing that most old farmhouse movies don't, which it answers the very simple question, which is, you know, with all that's been going on, why haven't you just moved out? 
I don't know where we'd move to. You know, we, we got all the money tied up in this place and had a lot of repairs on top of that. And I don't know anybody who's going to take in a family of seven indefinitely. That's why we tracked you down. We're glad you found us. Such a simple explanation. Mm-hmm. But again, if this is, you know, this is based on true events. These are real human beings who lived that it would be a really hard thing to just walk away from that. This is the, uh, I mean, I can't help, but joke that this is a classic cheap old houses house. If any of you follow the cheap old houses, Instagram account, it is, uh, you scroll through those photos, you will probably find hidden basements, one cool sink, um, and a, you know, and several bedrooms and probably some furniture, kept in there but you know it definitely needs work but that's what how you can buy a house for five thousand dollars in syracuse and i i but, said to josh that i would never live in a place like this i'll never live in the middle of nowhere but i do like that sink that's right the sink in their kitchen <laughs> old the farm big old, sink. old farmhouse sink porcelain thing um you can get one of those anywhere in any house it's all good that's right you can put it in a brand new condo if you want <laughs> don't do that but um I mean, I think we've talked about it a bit on the podcast. Like, you know, we, we rent the house we're in. We've, we talk a lot with having young kids about like, can we, or should we buy something? Where could we do that? How could we do that? It's a challenging thing, especially in Southern California, but you know, it's something, uh, something that every family considers if you're going to spend most of your money, you're probably going to do it buying a house Mm -hmm. and that danger of being house poor, you know, where you are in a situation where you couldn't walk away from it, where if you had a life change, like whether you lose a job or someone cuts your trucking rate in half or your house becomes haunted or all of those things <sighs> that, you, that you couldn't just go like, okay, that's all right. We're going to just, you know, take the loss or the break even or whatever it's going to be and just, uh, try again somewhere else. And, um, I just, and I often get really like sucked into things like cheap old houses listings and these, you know, these fantasies of like fixer uppers and all that. And maybe it's good for me to just watch The Conjuring once every six months and just like, <laughs> um, well, it was a real house and people live there and they sued the producers of this movie because Norma Sutcliffe and uh, Gerald. Helfrick, which sound made up. Um, Helfrick. <laughs> they lived there for like 25 years before this movie came out. They've been living there. And since the movie came out, like people have vandalized their house. There have been trespassers. And so they sued the producers. I don't know what happened with the lawsuit, but I guess like nobody told them that they were doing this movie. Wicked cool. That sucks. Which I'm surprised you wouldn't even go like scout the house, you know, that someone wouldn't come through and be like, yeah, maybe we're going to shoot it in your actual house. What do you think about that? Yeah. Tony DeRosagrund, would you have done this? Did Was this you? This is very ungrundly of you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, that was rude. <laughs> um. I don't have I don't have a kids are creepy all right, but I do want to say that Boo's latest thing is to say something along the lines of, "Mommy, you are rude and gross and boring." 
He does love it. And they don't really know what those, I mean, he knows what gross means, but I don't think every time I ask him if he knows what rude means. Or boring is. Or They're boring. very challenging concepts. Yeah. Because we don't like tell the kids they're being rude right like we never say that not, that's not proper so therefore it is rude <laughs> it is a very tough thing yeah but to get through he whenever i ask him if he knows what it means he says yes it means crying <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so that was rude um that was rude which of course means crying okay so look the conjuring one of the highest grossing Horror movies ever made. One of the highest rooting horror movies of all day <laughs> time. One of the highest opening weekends for any horror movie. Look, we're not we're not alone here. It was a hit. That's right. But we still need to rate this movie. Oh boy. So many objects. A room full of them even. <laughs> um all right. How many, how many black light wands oh. out of five would you give The Conjuring? Black light wands um, out of five. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half because I loved it when it came out. I thought it was so scary. Um, and it held up. And that is so rare. Um. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. How about you? I'm going to give it 4. It is very spooky scary. I wish that the pilgrim child ghost wasn't in it in the jack in the box. Otherwise, I liked I liked that. That's okay. You can. You Be- can like that. Yeah, because there had to have been other situations. Right, to connect it back to the... You just didn't like the Jack in the Box. I just feel like, even though we're saying, I said at the top, this is all grounded in the world that the Warrens occupy, they have become hacky over time. And I just think that like it was a little bit tough for me to get around it. I just found it to be a little bit hat on a hat or whatever you want to say. It's like a little bit just too much, one too many layers. Mm. They did a good job of managing to tie all those loose things together. Uh, I'm here for it. I I liked it so much more than I did the first time through. Mm. The scares held up tremendously. And that to me was like the biggest thing. There's a lot of movies that I think the theatrical experience carries so much weight that it's hard to Mm -hmm. get the same experience, especially rewatching it. Um, And this was not that for me. I really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. I'm still giving it four out of five. So a near perfect score. Mm. Wonderful. I'm having a hard time picking what I want for this reading system because it's truly just so, so many things. Like, do I go with, do I go with uh, midway through the movie New York accent appearing <laughs> in Patrick Wilson? Do I go through? Do I go? How many midway through? The- <laughs> like, like you guys, they're like, what? Oh. <laughs> like, what? So it's calling uh, Lorraine. Call, starts calling her Tone. <laughs> tone. Uh, do I go with? 
crawl spaces between rooms that uh, lead to the basement. You know, like how many? What are you um, gonna do? I'm gonna say go with a physical object. Oh, so boring. Um, okay. How many homemade wind chimes do you give the parent sisters and the Warren Judy Warren? Oh wee! That was a perfect poll. Thanks. Jingle jangle go the chimes. Stop farting. <laughs> it really stinks. Don't blame that on me. It's you. These kids were great. Given such limited screen time, they, I thought, all did a great job. The girl who you called out was from Fargo, also has kind of the mushy face Mm -hmm. and the short hair. She is awesome. The youngest child, also Cindy, Cindy, yeah, great. Um, and then they have the older, like teenage daughters doing her older teenage thing. And I, I, I it just all worked well together. And I think Judy actually would be the Warren's kid. Like she's a little weird. Wasn't like my favorite. And that's mm. really great. Actually. I think, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I cannot give them just straight up five wind chimes. Oh my God. They did it all. I wonder if, I don't think you've ever given anything a perfect score. Probably not. These kids were dynamite, especially yeah. for five of them. They're still all memorable. Even glasses. Mm-hmm. I thought she was good too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a nerdy, nervous tattletale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A point of view. I'm gonna follow suit for the five girls and Judy. Five out of five. Dynamite stuff. All right, so we gotta wrap it up. Nap time's almost over. Managed to squeeze in a recording during nap time. You may have noticed the pep in our voices the non-drowsy conversation we've had. I hope it has been as um, delightful for you as it was for us. Do want to give you one scary good stuff. Start out the new year right. That's right. Everybody's probably chock full of Christmas presents and holiday cheer still, I hope. Or it might have also been a tough year for gifts and gift giving. Um, Mm -hmm. But if so... One small specific highlight that was a really that's been a really fun one that we're happy to uh, keep utilizing the whole year round, mm, oh, yes. which was actually a birthday present for Boo, not a Christmas gift yes. at all. Yes, it was a birthday present for Boo. It came to us from Auntie Elena and Unky Jim. That's right. And uh, shout out to you guys across the country. They gave Boo. The Milk Bar Kids Only Cookbook. Now, if you don't know what Milk Bar is, buckle your seatbelt and just order the cookbook. You can get the the one for adults also. You could if you want to. But I wouldn't bother. Start out with this kids one. Yeah, because we've... So it's by month, which is also really fun because then it kind of gives you like, oh, let's do this. For, you know, let's just go mm-hmm. through it. Seasonal-ish stuff without kind of going overboard. Yeah, and it's super easy not a lot of ingredients, not a lot of steps, meant for kids. Our kids sort of participated as, you know, as kids do, at least our kids. Uh, but it's great milk bar stuff, which is the sister restaurant to Mamafuku in New York and helmed by the amazing Christina Tosi, who I'm not, I don't know if she has children, but 
this cookbook is great for kids and for adults. We've already made, this weekend we made French toast muffins and... And gooey the, cinnamon apples to go with them. Oh, that's right. We made three things already. And the Coca Cabana cereal bars, which is like Fruit Loops and Coconut Rice Krispie Treat type thing. So good. And that is what we recommend you get to bake and cook your way through what inevitably will be a hell of a year. Boy. That I'm, wasn't me saying bye. That was me just saying boy. Boy. Because <laughs> 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 we're just going to have to eat our feelings. So. You said it. That's Might as well I'm do it with minimal ingredients. <laughs> Maximum taste and deliciousness, though. So maybe we'll put some uh, some photos up as we bake our way through this cookbook. I mean, look, the biggest pointer of all, if I can give you like one piece of advice if you're baking, is don't be a creep. Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy. We're on Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. You can leave us a voicemail, 818-839-1991. You can also just visit us on the internet for show notes and more at mummyxdeddy.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is a beautiful tree with no sinister vibes. And so, Buddy was sent where the the special elves work.